Hey y'all, it's K-Bird Tweets, and this is Peace, Love, and Baseball. It is 2023, Peace, Love, and Baseballers. What is up? Happy New Year. New Year same podcast. We're back coming at you on the first Tuesday of the new year. And man, I don't know what it is about a new year that just has us feeling all kinds of ways like celebratory, but also reflective. It's honestly similar to each year when I had my birthday kind of a feeling for me, where you look back on the past year, you kind of evaluate. It's an easy time, I think, to be hard on yourself. Because guess what? Not every year of our lives is going to be massively monumental. I think that that's something I am perhaps learning at this phase in my life. I made a lot of big moves in my 20s. And of course, as kids, we always like have accomplishments to celebrate year over year through our school years and all that good stuff. But here I am, 30-something, got better about keeping the laundry more organized this year, ma. Hey, I can't wait to see what 2023 has in store. You know what I mean, though, right? Like, I can't be the only one who can be hard on themselves this time of year. Resolutions can be great if that is something that works for you. But in my experience, and even more so like in my conversations with others, resolutions can be tough. If you set a really big or specific resolution, which will almost surely require some major lifestyle change or changes, you are likely going to encounter so many things along the way that will affect your ability to see that through, at least in the way that you initially imagined it. So I guess my real cautionary word on resolutions would be to give yourself grace with it. Wow, this ties right back into how we ended 2022, but it's real. Reaching the goal or working towards a resolution, it just might not look exactly what like you you thought it was going to look like when you said, this is what I'm going to do, but honor yourself where you are at right here, right now, always changing, always evolving and make it work for you in the moment. That is the important part of any kind of self-improvement. We're always a work in progress. So I wanted to start the year off with conversations on some of these small changes or maybe even changes that you have not realized you can make, maybe not a huge ask to yourself day to day, but can ultimately make a big impact on your life. Part of our conversation today is actually about how we sometimes have a tough time seeing the value in making small changes. I have certainly felt that way in many cases. We have talked in previous episodes and with previous guests on how to set yourself up to succeed one step at a time, don't bite off more than you can chew, work towards something sustainable, and all that good stuff. And small moves, big changes, is a big part of what the physical therapy profession is about. So today, you're going to hear my conversation with my sister-in-law. Her name is Sarah. She is a doctor of physical therapy with a board-certified orthopedic specialty. And we're going to talk about how physical therapy applies not only to athletes with injuries or to the geriatric population or even to post-surgical procedures. Physical therapy is growing rapidly in the healthcare industry as a safe, effective, and lasting approach to promoting, maintaining, and restoring health. It is a safe, effective, and lasting approach for pain management, rehabilitation, even disease prevention. And I personally believe that it is only gonna become more and more prescribed within our healthcare system as generationally we have become more educated, more aware, and committed to the autonomy that we have over our own physical well-being. And how that really plays into how we can contribute. So whether you have ever experienced chronic pain, physical limitations, whether that's from an injury or maybe something you do not even know what it's from, 
physical therapy can often help us take back that control through education and our mental relationship with our physical body. So Sarah has worked with all ages in multiple settings at this point in her career, and there is some great insight that she shares here on the profession, but also just on how the right movement for even a few minutes a day can truly change your life. The other big barrier that Sarah and I are going to break today is that she is the first Cubs fan to join us on the show. So you know, we gotta talk a little baseball to bring it home. Here we go. Sarah, I'm really excited to sit down and chat with you today. Thanks for taking the time out to come on to Peace, Love, and Baseball. So Sarah is a doctor of physical therapy. She is a board-certified orthopedic specialist. Before we dig into anything too deep, would you just tell us what initially made you want to pursue a career as a physical therapist? Yeah, so thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be doing this podcast. Um, I was a competitive gymnast growing up all the way through high school, and I was pretty fortunate in that I only had like a few minor injuries during my career, um, which I did go to physical therapy for, and they were successful, which was great. But I really was drawn to it more because I had multiple like teammates and friends who had major injuries and had to, you know, have surgeries like ACL reconstructions or different shoulder surgeries, and they were able to go through the rehab process and still come back and be high-level gymnasts and competitive, and that really, like, amazed me at the time that they were able to go through such, like, a devastating thing for your sport um, and then be able to come back with all the training and rehab and everything. So that's really kind of what spiked my interest in it. Um, and then it's kind of evolved from there just, you know, with volunteer hours and then clinicals and school and everything. But that's what initiated it was more the sports aspect. Did Mm -hmm. you always know that orthopedics would more than likely be the direction you really wanted to focus in on? Starting was like, I'm going to work with athletes only. Mm. (laughs) And then when I graduated from PT school, I actually thought that I might want to, I was leaning more towards acute care or working in the hospital. Um, and when I, you know, was looking for jobs, there just wasn't a lot of positions open in hospital settings. So I found kind of this split position that was half inpatient and half outpatient. And I think that was like the perfect position as a new grad to really kind of like keep up, hone in on my knowledge and skills in both areas. And then Overtime and um, forced hospital work with COVID, I really um, gravitated towards the outpatient orthopedics realm. And so that's where I work now and have for the past several years. So Yeah, that's so cool that you mm-hmm. initially got interested in it because of something as like specific or to use your words, high level as right. athletics. Mm-hmm. But turns out it is so impactful to literally everyone yeah like the general population anyone Mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome so tell us about some of the most common reasons that you may have seen younger people people like under 60 in physical therapy these days that are not athletes yeah so I would say that there's actually been a shift in why or some of the diagnoses or reason that kind of this age range is coming in now and I think that shift has happened more since COVID where a lot of people are working from home and so we're seeing like a ton of like postural like postural kind of abnormalities compensations that are then leading to pain or you know like chronic insufficiencies or disuse problems. And so whether it's, you know, neck pain or back pain or things like that, a lot of it is just life has shifted with everything in the past couple years. Um, So that's really interesting for, you know, just education and working through it and, you know, their setups and everything so that they can be more successful. But other than that, in this age range, you're seeing a lot of you know, like repetitive overuse injuries, whether it's from their job, they're, you know, they have a more like active or manual job. So they're developing, you know, whether it's like 
tendinopathies or, um, you know, you get like tennis elbow or, you know, rotator cuff issues or knee issues. So a lot of those are like, as we age, you know, the body ages. Not going to get better. (laughs) Exactly. And things don't bounce back quite as quick, which is frustrating for sure. And so a lot of times it's, you know, whether a lot of, it's usually not even like a major accident, but it's, oh, I I thought it would just get better. Yeah. And unfortunately it doesn't. It needs a little love and a little push in or help in the right direction. So that's a lot of the population that you see. But, you know, you get your, you know, your weekend warriors or, you know, people who are out, they're active or hiking or whatever, and they have an actual injury like gotcha. a specific mechanism so it can really range a lot but I would say that those are like kind of the three that a large majority fall into yeah that's what I think is really fascinating too mm-hmm. is that I think we associate you having to even go to a doctor for something that could be like that happened from a specific event right right like mm-hmm. you said like a specific injury yeah but a lot of times it's what we're doing habitually yes. every day and the ways that we're using our body that we're not even aware of that can mm-hmm. cause like some pretty substantial oh, absolutely and it can be really frustrating for people too yeah. because we want this like black and white like it happened yes. at this point and so that's why education is such a huge component of what physical therapists do is you know, we work through this episode, we try and figure it out, make it better, but how can you prevent it from happening again so that they can still be successful in their job, their life, their recreational activities, things like that. So yeah, it's, it's interesting and it's fun always (laughs) to problem solve that. Yeah. Right. So obviously there is physical therapy that can be used after like a surgery, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times it is the alternative to a surgery as well. Mm -hmm. Do you have experience with kind of both sides of that, it sounds like? Definitely. So PT is usually a lot of times the conservative route that people want to take initially because surgery is a really big decision um, and it impacts your life or disrupts your life a lot. So most people, um, unless it's a necessity, right? Right. Um, You know, a traumatic thing that's like, yes, surgery is the only option to start. That's the route they want to go first. So yeah, post-op physical therapy or post, you know, surgical operative is a lot more like protocols and... Not cut and dry because everyone's different, but sure. it's it follows kind of this much more like predictable progression yeah. versus, um, you know, someone who's coming in because they're trying to avoid surgery or even if surgery is not even on the table, they're right. still having, you know, pain or some kind of complaint or restriction that we need to work through um, to get them, you know, to their ideal function or their, you know, ideal level for them to have the best quality of life. So I'll, there's a lot of both. I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said that people want things to be black and white in mm-hmm. terms of a treatment and a solution. Like, yep. of course we do. We want right. it to be that simple. Uh-huh. Um, I am someone who is like, if there is something I can do that solves the problem, mm-hmm. I will do it. Like, no questions asked. And I think a lot of us can have that mindset. But even with surgery, it's not always right. a, a guarantee. I think it's mm-hmm. probably just as much of a shot in the dark in the sense of like this may or may not help you or it may mm-hmm. help you, you know, to what extent. Right. So the fact that the physical therapy, whether it is trying it before mm-hmm. um, or using it as a follow up, it's really the piece that makes the most of whether you're going to do it surgically. Right. And come back from it and really get the most out of the surgery mm-hmm. um, or you're going to be able to avoid it altogether. So I think Absolutely. that's pretty cool. Yeah. What would you say is like the biggest challenge that you have in seeing success with your PT patients? Um, I would say that probably the biggest challenge is like follow through. Yeah. Um, it's a big commitment, you know, when it's like deciding that you, you know, I'm going to start working out or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to commit to going to PT one to three times a week, typically, depending on where they're at. Um, And it's usually not like getting people in the door and like convincing them that it's beneficial or worth it or that there's a method to the madness. You know, they 
feel good in session and they work hard for you, it's usually the outside yeah. of um, the clinic where, you know, I'm not there saying, okay, <laughs> <Right>. do how, <laughs> do this exercise next or do this. How are you feeling? Like assess your symptoms. What can we do to, you know, make it better? So it's more of like the, we're always giving them their home exercises. So how diligent are they about keeping that up or regularly doing it? And then through the progression of PT, you know, you see all that progress, but then convincing them or educating them on why they have to keep it up. You know, it's like yeah. we can't go cold turkey on coming to sessions and doing your stuff at home. And now I feel better. So, like, let's just go back to the way I yeah. was before I showed up here, because then you'll just more likely than not end up back in my clinic again. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, is, is can be hard sometimes. It's like, I love working with you, but my goal is for you to not yeah. need me so mm-hmm. you can be more independent in your own, you know, active lifestyle and, you know, mobility program and everything like that. So that's definitely one of the biggest challenges is just that accountability and follow yeah. through. I had a personal training client that I always think of when I'm having these, like, follow through conversations mm-hmm. because she would always say to me, like, you know what the worst part about this is? I have to keep doing it all the time. (laughs) And that is, I think, the thing that we don't – it's really hard to Mm -hmm. wrap your head around and maybe we don't want to think about it that way. But people are coming to see you to get the knowledge and get Mm -hmm. the instruction, but they're ultimately not done, yeah, when they leave the clinic. The other thing that I think about when – actually, one of my listeners uh, is is the person that I heard this from and I asked him if I could share it with you because I just think it is – such a good point kind of ties back to our whole purpose of today's conversation being around you don't necessarily have to commit to a whole fitness or workout routine to change Mm -hmm. your life but these focusing on mobility and movement and these exercises that are less intimidating but Mm -hmm. could be a lot more effective in the long run he said uh, he went to physical therapy recently and it was the most emasculating experience that he's ever had. And I was like, man, that, I'm not surprised, yeah. but also like, I think that it just really put it into perspective exactly what I've kind of thought about even as a personal trainer, like being in the corrective mm-hmm. exercise phase with people. Of it's so hard to get people to sometimes do the simpler things because they feel like it's not worth it or sure. if they're not you know, no pain, no gain. Yes. And that's just not the approach. It's actually to eliminate pain. Absolutely. So would you say that you have experienced that with people where they're like, how can this really simple thing be worth it? Absolutely. And that like the no pain, no gain mentality is like a continual like thing that <laughs> we're like just trying to tear down. Cause like, you know, we all grow up and we do sports and we do things like yeah. that. And that's like kind of ingrained upon you. And so when you really break it down with some of these people and a lot of times it's like, you know, more like the middle-aged people who are like, oh, I'm like healthy, I'm doing well, I am active or I work out, but I have this shoulder pain and then, you know, you can do your assessment and find these different things and they're like, what the heck? Like, I had absolutely no idea. And so then you're giving them this like very isolated exercise with their own body weight. And they're like, I'm used to like lifting crazy weights in the gym. This is not going to do anything. But then they do it and they're like, why am I feeling the burn? (laughs) (laughs) This is ridiculous. I should not be getting this. So it is, it's a, it's, there's a, just a huge education component on it. And like you were saying, you know, it doesn't have to be huge, you know, it doesn't have to be this huge thing that you take on. It can really be just like these small changes in your life, but about making it more regular and committing to keeping it up. Like the amount of times on the last day of PT, you know, their graduation day, they asked me, do I have to do this every day for the rest of my life? (laughs) (laughs) And the answer, depending on the person, can be different. Um, but ultimately, yes, like you have to keep that knowledge at least for the rest of your life so that, you know, if you keep it up regularly, you're going to stay on top of it. Or if you do get away from it, but it comes back in X amount of time later, you can bring it back and you have those tools to stay on top of it. So it's not like becoming so crazy that you have to back, end up back in the doctor's office in my office and and things like that. So yeah, that is, uh, you know, a big 
part for people to kind of swallow sometimes when they're like, oh, I thought I was done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now I have to keep doing yeah. a simple thing that's mm-hmm. not terribly exciting. Exactly. But is obviously, you know, really helping me at mm-hmm. this point. Mm-hmm. So I got into fitness from more of the like corrective exercise sort of angle. And that was why I got into it because mm-hmm. I had specific limitations at the time. So I came into it for more of like a Pilates background, which is, was, you know, initially came to be because it is a corrective exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even bar and yoga, it's all like low impact. The focus on it is the small isolated movements, right. like you just said. Mm-hmm. And what I think is so cool about physical therapy is, yes, you can say like, I'm doing these kinds of exercises and I'm taking these kinds of classes and that can help to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But having someone with the knowledge that you have specifically to be able to understand a diagnosis Mm -hmm. to even diagnose somewhat yourself Mm -hmm. and to we were having an interesting conversation yesterday that kind of led me to think about this more just about how you're not treating one specific thing you know if you go to a group class they're going to give you a core exercise that is very generic that is you know supposedly going to help with Mm -hmm. x y and z from a a textbook or someone you know Mm -hmm. who put this Uh, exercise together, but you're able to really treat the individual person and treat the symptoms, Mm -hmm. which you were telling me about how like symptoms present differently in people. So like someone might come into you with the same issue Mm -hmm. and the answer for both of them is like, not go take a Pilates class. It's going to be way more specific and Mm -hmm. personalized than that, Mm -hmm. which is something that you're able to give to them. Yeah, and that's like one of the things I love most about my job is that I am, and probably one of the most exhausting things too, is like it's yeah. constant <laughs> critical thinking. You're always trying to solve someone's problem and fix their complaints. And so, like you said, everyone is different. They could have, you know, the doctor could send them with the same diagnosis. They could have both had an MRI that showed the same exact thing, but they can present completely differently, whether it's based on age or their comorbidities or their, you know, sedentary versus active lifestyles. And so I'm going to treat them based on their complaints. I'm not, you know, there's not that um, cookie cutter kind of program that should be followed for everyone. Yeah. And even we were saying more for like post-op patients, right? So um, that is typically more of a routine. You have to achieve these goals within this amount of time and then you move on to the next phase and then on to the next phase. But more times than not, you get those patients and maybe they had a knee surgery, but they also have sciatica. And so, you know, you can't just look at the knee and you have to look at the whole picture and take everything into account because if they're back in leg are bothering them so bad you can't progress their knee exercises because of you know they're just really restricted in that way so that's always like going through your head problem solving tweaking it for each individual person and then you know when they're coming to their time of being done with you it's nice that you can then help them find the resources that's best for them so whether they it's in your town or whatever and they need to just find a gym membership or they need to do a group fitness class or they need to be more with a personal trainer because they're maybe someone that needs a little bit more guidance or something. That's really nice to be able to see that follow through and have those connections at least or resources to have them be as successful as possible. So I'm thinking as, as a trainer and specifically teaching a group class, it's even more challenging obviously, but I'm always trying to, um, talk to people about like the mind muscle connection and just get them to like feel mm-hmm. right is is the goal is what's what are you feeling mm-hmm. you with a little bit more technical knowledge behind that is that a lot of what you work on with people is just getting them to to feel and like activate the specific muscles absolutely and you probably know this too but like you, sometimes you just get someone who is just not very aware of their body yeah like for whatever reason yeah yeah. whatever it is and so that is like an accomplishment in itself when you're able to kind of make that connection or they are more aware and a lot of times people come in and especially the first like the evaluation or the first follow-up visit I'm asking these super specific questions you know like (laughs) well what specifically makes your pain worse and how long you know after you stop that how much long how long does it hurt for or what are your triggers and things like that and they're like oh I never thought about that But kind of breaking it down like that is going to help with the thought process and the, you know, the differential diagnosis and everything. 
But yeah, just the awareness and differentiating pain between like muscular fatigue and burning is a huge thing. That's such a good point. And a lot of times people don't know that. You know, they get tired and they're like, oh, there's my pain. And I'm like, so it's it's hard to kind of like educate them on like yes that's discomfort but like is that your true pain or is that like oh my muscles burning because it's exactly um and so some of those things which are kind of inherent for some people because maybe they were you know an athlete or they worked out a ton growing up or whatever um either it's been a long time since they experienced that or maybe they just never really have or had it explained to them so that kind of goes with that like just consciousness of what they're feeling and what is good versus bad. And yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times until you have a reason to think about Mm -hmm. how you're feeling or why things might work this way, you don't. And -hmm. then, yeah, I have seen people in my classes or even personal training clients that I've had that are a lot more successful with the goals that we're working towards after they have worked with a physical therapist Mm -hmm. because it's like we can build on the progress that you've made uh-huh. and the activation exercises right. and the things that you're doing mm-hmm. continuously. Would you say like at home protocol, I'm sure it's different, you know, depending on the person and mm-hmm. the the issue at hand, but how long would you say you're asking of people? Oh, less than 20 minutes. Yeah. Less I mean, than 20 it can be very yeah. different depending on, you know, if it's like a, an older geriatric elderly patient and they're deconditioned, then you want a longer program, right? Because 20 minutes isn't necessarily going to cut it. They need to go yeah. out and do more. But my goal really is to keep it like 15 to 20 minutes, get the most bang for their buck in order to have like the compliance with it. Because yeah. if I'm expecting an hour of them and they have to come see me twice a week, yeah, the, the, most people aren't going to stick with that and a lot of times with my home exercise program I want them to do it twice a day so Mm -hmm. whether it's before work like I can't expect you to commit you know 45 minutes to an hour when you're getting yourself ready or kids ready or trying to just get out the door and yeah be a productive member of society (laughs) so really I try and keep it as short as possible um while being you know as effective as possible but but something that short Mm -hmm can be so impactful and, like, truly life-changing. Speaking of which, do you have a time that you would share with us that you saw great success with a patient where you were able to really recognize or, you know, have a conversation with them about how impactful the progress that they made was? Actually, one of my patients that really sticks out to me, I'm seeing her now. We're getting, like, towards the end of her plan of care, which is, like, so exciting But she is, like, in her late 30s and has just had a really um, traumatic, in some ways, kind of history. But then she got, like, some diagnoses, like an autoimmune disorder diagnosis. And things had just kind of really started to, like, compile on her. So she had, you know... She had complaints of, like, vertigo in addition to, like, neck pain and and things like that and had never received, like, a referral to PT or anything and then randomly got a referral for knee pain. So <laughs> she, like, just saw her primary care doctor and she's kind of in this cycle of, like, seeing a bunch of doctors yeah. because she has a lot of things going on and they're trying to fix and manage and different things and so... She comes in and I evaluated her for her knee, but like we were saying, how a lot of times people have other things going on. So this all other complaints got brought in and really were like the primary, you know, complaints. Mm-hmm. So we addressed the knee quick and that was like a, a, an easy fix, luckily. Um, but the other things, there's it's just been a lot of like layers to it, you know, figuring out the neck pain with helping the vertigo or the dizziness symptoms Which, and then you when you said that that was something you could treat yeah. the other day when we were talking I mm-hmm. was like how cool is that yeah so vestibular therapy is like a whole huge facet of PT that admittedly is not my like <laughs> expertise um I can I treat it and I can do you know some of the easier diagnoses but I will refer to like my coworkers that sure. are a little bit more practiced in it but 
she's been like really like rewarding to work with because she hasn't been able to work for like three years and she used to work in the school system and everything and so like we've used all these different interventions really targeted towards her and literally like three weeks ago she like cried to me because she was like i think i can go back to work and i was like oh my gosh i'm gonna cry (laughs) so it's just like For some of the patients that you might not even think would be appropriate referrals or things like that, like you really can have a big impact on them. And it's about, I mean, it's nice having that one-on-one time that you get to have that relationship with your patient and like kind of take it further than just like do this exercise, do I'll do this hands-on thing. Um, And so that was like amazing. Um, And she like still has a ways to go. Like she's a work in progress, but aren't we all? Yeah. And so she's doing awesome. And she just like popped to my head when you thought of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk about life changing. Yeah. It's really awesome. The other thing that you had mentioned to me prior to this conversation is how a lot of times a diagnosis or like imaging specifically is more or less helpful and sometimes can actually be a deterrent to someone's success because they're so focused on what their specific diagnosis is. Mm -hmm. And as we were previously talking about in this conversation, it's not always the diagnosed pain that is, or the diagnosed issue that is maybe causing the pain or causing the complaints. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about that of how like sometimes it is not always helpful to have like this breakthrough. Finally, I know what's wrong with me Yeah, because it might take away from you being like fully present and just being aware of what's actually going on. Yeah. So kind of like we had mentioned earlier, you know, as your physical therapist, I'm going to treat you based on your symptoms. My goal is obviously to develop, you know, a working hypothesis and a diagnosis so that we know what, you know, structures or sources are involved. Um, But ultimately, you come in and tell me something and I'm going to work towards that in correcting it. So one of the big like movements has been when someone prevent presents to like a physician for back pain, the first step should not be to get like an advanced image. So like an MRI, mm-hmm. um, it should be either an x-ray obviously to like rule out fractures or anything like that, but then it should be a referral to PT. So, mm-hmm. because that is the more conservative, AKA less expensive, um, route and this there's very much a mindset of like when you see the result of whatever image you have done um that sticks with you you remember that forever and so the amount of times that people come in and are like well i have bulging discs at every level in my back but are like but i don't have back pain i'm here for my knee (laughs) it's like okay so like (laughs) you know so it can be really um it can get really like pain focused or people can use like catastrophizing words or like it gets me when someone's like oh well my doctor told me that i have a back of an 80 year old don't ever say that to people (laughs) that sticks with them they hold that and so then in their head they're like well of course i'm gonna have pain of course like my back is deteriorating or like something crazy and so like jumping to that right away can really just like overwhelm or overcome i guess what they're thinking and feeling and though they might be feeling better in pt it's like well the bulge is still there like am i really better and it's yeah. like yes you are you like are, you right? don't have yeah. pain anymore <laughs> you can do everything you want and so like you know there's research that shows you take a mri of 30 year olds and literally half of us will have at least one bulging disc at any level and back is just you know the most common diagnosis sure. we see so the example i use so that's kind of the thought process on like they're obviously informative and if I have one you know if a patient comes with one and they've had it of course I'm going to read it I'm going to take it into consideration and everything but it's not like the end all be all that's yeah. not all that's taken into consideration so well, even someone who has a more ex- like I obviously prioritize like mm-hmm. physicality and would like that conservative approach before I would ever consider 
doing anything else, it was really interesting and helpful, a helpful perspective mm-hmm. for even me to hear you talk about it that way. And it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense when you think about it right. from that angle. But I, even going into the doctor, was like, well, why aren't you going to yeah. figure out what's wrong first? Mm-hmm. And, and it can be really frustrating, you know, and... Um, People like to have, like we said, a black and white answer. Like yeah. they like to know what's going on. Um, so sometimes it can be like a, almost convincing them or just a lot of education on why like things are moving in the right direction. You're getting better. Um, you know, as long as things are continuing to progress, then that's not needed. But that doesn't, again, like we were saying yesterday, like... If someone's not progressing in PT and I'm not seeing change, even though I'm changing my approach or trying to try different things to address what they're presenting with, um, if I'm not seeing the change, then I'm going to tell the doctor that I think this is appropriate because there's no point in just sitting on something that's not changing without trying. So, Yeah, but a lot of times pain can come from, Mm -hmm. like, you might – have imaging done on your lumbar spine, mm-hmm. but it's actually the injury is like in your knee and you have weird compensations right. that are causing mm-hmm. the pain. So exactly. it can be more or less helpful on that There's end There's such well. just like a cognitive component of yeah. it that like really that kind of mind-body connection in so many ways can really affect how successful they are or, you know, how willing or... Yeah, so, they, yeah. how quickly they like recognize the mm-hmm. difference that's being made. Absolutely. Well, obviously people come to you when they are referred and have a specific reason to come to you, but mm-hmm. as a athlete, former athlete, and very just like physically active person yourself, that's mm-hmm. something that has always been important to you and you continue to prioritize in your life. It's definitely tied to your profession. Mm-hmm. But even if we're not going to come to the physical therapist necessarily, mm-hmm. you obviously have a great wealth of knowledge of how to just be successful in being healthy and mm-hmm. mobile for as long as possible. That's really mm-hmm. the goal for all of us at some point, right? Absolutely. Is you realize like, I don't really care if I have washboard abs. I want to be able to bend over and tie right. my shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or play with your grandkids. Exactly. Or like, even if you don't have grandkids, like down the road, you see like. I mean, so many yeah. things. Like, mm-hmm. I know 30 year olds who can't bend over exactly. and, and tie their shoes. So what advice would you give to stay as healthy in terms of mobility for as long as possible? Yeah, I think my advice and the hardest part of it is, is just developing the routine. I like starting small. If you are not active at all, like go for a walk. Yeah. That is the best place to start. Like it is full body exercise. Like you're getting your aerobic conditioning for your cardiovascular system. You're getting out. It's good for just your energy Mm -hmm. and your mood and everything. Um, Even when it's 20 degrees out. Exactly. <laughs> like, who likes to walk on a treadmill, but, like, try and <laughs> do whatever you can. Walk laps in your house. Um, but that's where, like, if I have a lower-level patient that comes in, that's where I start. Because they can do it, right? Yeah. It's, and they can be successful in it. You want to start with something that is you can be successful with. Yeah. Because if you set your sights too high or you have such high demands or expectations on yourself, then you fall short. We all do. And then you are just going to drop it. You're going to give up because it is super discouraging and you get down on yourself and you're like, well, I'm not making progress. So like, why am I doing this? Yeah. So I would say, you know, they say it takes what, like three months or 90 days to really develop routine. So start small and then build from there. Mm -hmm. And It doesn't have to be an hour every single day. It could be an hour three times a week. It could be 20 minutes once a day. Like, just try and develop that, like, baseline. And then when you know you can incorporate that into your routine and your lifestyle, you can build on that. Yeah. And so... Yeah, you can always add on or switch it up. But start Mm -hmm. with something that you know you can be successful with. And I think there's that mindset there i've we've actually talked about this on a previous episode with a personal trainer who uh where a lot of people have that mindset of like if i'm not doing something extreme it's not it doesn't matter it doesn't Mm -hmm. make a difference and that is really the point if if there's one takeaway from our conversation Mm -hmm. that's what i would want it to be is that you don't have to do anything crazy and you might be doing something that feels like kind of silly or Uh emasculating, but 
it can be very impactful and, and sticking with it, mm-hmm. you're going to see the benefits. And if you don't, your yeah. old habits and you they know, come back and everything, and you get into that cycle again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I would just say that, like, start even lower than, than you anticipate yeah. to start. And then when you you feel good about yourself when you achieve that and can build from there. And other than that, I would say, like, you know, the accountability. It's always nice to have a friend yep. or, you know, if it is a workout class or something, you develop kind of that social aspect to mm-hmm. it. And then it's like, oh, why weren't you at class or last week yeah. or something? And so you, like, want to go to see your friends or, like, be proud of yourself that, you know, your friends and you got to, like, all be there together and everything. So that accountability aspect can be um, really beneficial, too. And that kind of ties in with the one of the hardest things of PT, like, when they're not in there with me and I'm yeah. not standing next to them, they don't have the mm-hmm. accountability other than when they come back the next day and I say, how'd it go at home? And they say, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't remember who coined this phrase. So if you're out there and you're listening and this was your phrase and I'm not giving you credit, you. yeah, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> The phrase was accountability buddy. <laughs> yes, I've heard that. I love it. Your yeah. accountability buddy. And I've seen people who even post on, like we have a lot of Twitter users that mm-hmm. listen to this podcast specifically, but they'll even post on social media. And so mm-hmm. it might not even be specifically to one person, mm-hmm. but they're putting it out there every day to help hold themselves accountable. Yeah. And people are liking it and commenting on it and giving them mm-hmm. the thumbs up. And if that you're posting, like, I did my PT regimen yeah. again today. Like, do it. Yeah, Find whatever the it way takes. That helps you like check check the box and mm-hmm. check it off your list and just stick with yourself. Get it on done. It. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, Sarah. Well, it would be remiss of me to let you go without talking sports before we wrap <laughs> up because. As a, a former athlete, you're also just a big sports fan, and sports have always been a big part of your life and your family. Speaking of family, uh, you have a daughter, Sadie, my niece Sadie, who is going to grow up just like me, <laughs> with a dad who is a Cardinals fan. I don't know about that. And a mom <laughs> who is a Cubs fan. So first things first, growing up a Cubs fan who have been some of your favorite players to watch over the years? Do any specifics stand out to you? Absolutely. I used to be obsessed with Derek Lee and Aramis Ramirez. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, well, I mean, Sammy Sosa until the incident. Yeah. But he put on a good show. I was real young when he was, like, real popular, but, like, my dad liked him a lot. Yes. So we would always watch. Um, but, yeah, those were, like, my big ones. I still have my Derek Lee t-shirt that's, like, literally <laughs> in rags, but st- I won't get rid of it. Love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a keepsake at this point. You may be able to put it up on eBay. I know, maybe so. <laughs> but you were pretty bummed, you told me, uh, a month or so ago to hear that Wilson Contreras yes. was leaving. And Did I just you... mentioned that at dinner last yeah. night. I Did like, you I specifically believe. like really like him as a player, or was it the piece of him being on that World Series team? Yeah, I think both. Um, I really, I mean, he did so great. Literally, like, his first at-bat with the Cubs, he hit a home run. So it's like, initially, you're like, oh, God, I love you. Um, And then he is part of that 2016 World Series team and everything. So, and majority of those players are gone now. Right. So he's, like, like, last man standing, practically. Mm -hmm. So it kind of hurts to see um and just you know a little salt in the wound that he went to the cardinals <laughs> definitely yeah people were certainly not pleased about that yeah. and i can definitely understand that but it's just it's a fun it's, part that's of the how rivalry it is. absolutely too. yeah absolutely. and it's gonna be really exciting to see them play each other this year oh, as it sure. always is but it just like adds another but it's like one of those to people too like i like him enough where it's like well i hope he's successful with yeah. the cardinals as i roll my eyes <laughs> right. but like i hope he has a bad game while he plays the cups right yeah you can play well <laughs> as long as you're not playing against the cups all right well more importantly will you support sadie to make her own decision to be a fan of a better team if she so chooses. I mean, I would question her judgment severely and maybe my parenting. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Of course, she can like whoever she wants. Maybe she'll be a Marlins fan. She like, was, who knows? I know. Like, maybe she'll be a Brewers <laughs> fan. We live oh, in yeah. Wisconsin now. But she was born around, she was born, I mean, not in Chicago, but just outside of 
and she's not going to be a White Sox fan. Okay. So, like, I gotta lay some ground rules. uh, She has more (laughs) Cardinals apparel, thanks to you. She does. I've gotten it for her for every holiday and birthday so far. Just doing my part. But, yeah, I love... I love that that rivalry is, was alive mm-hmm. in my upbringing, and it continues it'll be, on. Yeah, it'll be mm-hmm. really fun either way. Absolutely. You are also very much into following other sports. So, what would you mm-hmm. say your favorite sport to watch is, and why? My favorite sport to watch on TV is football, and I prefer college football over the NFL. Though I watch, will watch the NFL too. But go Iowa Hawkeyes. But I like to go to baseball games the best. So, like, attending. Um, yeah, like, actually game. attending, I would choose a baseball game over a football game for sure. That has been a really common theme from people that I've had a similar conversation yeah. with is, yeah, they might follow one sport more closely mm-hmm. or watch it on television yeah. more, but everyone says, like, baseball is a sport. Yeah, I don't know like if it's just, attend. like, the atmosphere or what, but, it. like, all ballparks are amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's just a lot more to do than, you know, at a football stadium, mm-hmm. you're, like, watching the game, and obviously mm-hmm. there's the camaraderie of the fan base and right. all that stuff, but, yeah, outside of that, there's not, like, a ton of ambiance mm-hmm. or, exactly. you know, much more to the experience, if you're yeah. not, especially if you're not super into the game. Right, right. So it can be, like, more of a fun group activity or a family mm-hmm. outing for sure. to go to yeah. a baseball game. But then come Olympics times, gymnastics, 100%. Oh, yeah. All the time. So. How did you get into gymnastics? I actually don't know, like, how you got started with um, it. My parents put me in a tap-tumble dance class when I was three years what? old. Yep. <laughs> three years old and then I gravitated just towards the tumbling I guess and that was when we lived in Iowa and then we moved out to Las Vegas for a couple years and I did tumbling only and we moved back when I was five and they just put me in a gymnastics class and then I started competing when I was in kindergarten all the way through high school. Yeah, you so you did it all the way through high school. Yep. I did it when I was younger as well and I stopped like early on in high school and part of the reason was that I got tall but you're pretty mm. tall so did that not really I'm like five four and a half okay you're not as tall as yeah me, but yeah but it is you're tall there's for a very gymnast. much it, that's true <laughs> but there is very much like a you hit junior high early high school and some girls shoot up and yeah. then they quit because yeah. it's like their body is just so different yeah and I like so they like yeah they the like way. lose <laughs> skills yeah um which makes so much sense like body awareness right right like right. we've already talked about it. you're like what the heck now I'm six inches taller like whoa, I'm so lanky and uncoordinated so, yeah, that was – I didn't shoot up like that, though. So so it worked out I well. mean, I'm very short <laughs> considering my brother is 6'2 and my sister is 6 foot. That's true. And I'm 5'4". I am the shortest of my siblings, too. Even yeah, though what I'm happened to us? Video, so. Well, we're the smartest, right? Yeah, we're so. the smartest. We're the oldest. <laughs> Wise. Arguably the best. The wisest, <laughs> definitely. Okay, Sarah, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat, to share your insight. It's always really interesting to have these kinds of conversations with you. But before I let you go, we're going to do a little rapid fire wrap up okay? just for fun. So no pressure. Don't think too hard about these just to learn a little bit more okay. about you. What is your personal favorite way to currently stay active? Um, I either like to do yoga or I'm a walker. I love walking. Me too. But man. now that we're in Wisconsin and it's a little hillier, hiking. Ooh, yeah. So I'm like super pumped about being able to do that more often. So those when are you my, mentioned like, walking earlier as like a, if you are totally an a- not an active person, I'm like I am an active person, but I, I love, love walking. I love taking a good walk, yes. and I do it multiple times every day mm-hmm. for many other reasons than just getting the steps. Clears in. the mind, yeah. just getting outside with some fresh air. Like I could walk all day long. Yeah, I'm same. not a runner. I will force myself to sometimes, but I could walk. All the time. Love it. And you burn just as many calories. <laughs> exactly. It's great for you mm-hmm. physically. So Absolutely. Love it. What is one of your favorite memories of 2022? 2022. This is oh. our first episode of 2023. So just a quick yeah. look back. Quick look back. Well, I would have to say it would be moving to Wisconsin and buying our first house. Yeah. Woo. So yeah, just like kind of getting to settle into our new home and seeing Sadie grow up. Oh my gosh. But... Yeah, that, that's definitely a highlight. 
For sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that will always be the year you look back on or like, that's the yeah. year we became homeowners. Yeah. It's like, wow, we're adults now, even though we already had a child. Like, hey. <laughs> is this, is this it? <laughs> we're doing it. Right. <laughs> we're in it. The train is moving. Okay. On the other side of that, what is something that you're looking forward to in 2023? 2023. Um, Career-wise, I'm really excited to do that dry needling course in about a month, which we were talking about. Tell us just like the overview of what dry needling is. Yeah, so dry needling is um, similar to acupuncture in that it uses the same size needles. It's only called dry needling because when you get an injection, there's a wet substance being injected into you and there's no substance here. Makes sense. Yep. But unlike acupuncture, which is based on like meridians, um, dry needling is actually you're going for like your anatomical structures. So like if you have, you know, a rotator cuff problem, we're looking to go into the rotator cuff tendons or the different muscles or things like that. Um, so ultimately the goal is it's a microtrauma to the area. So it promotes um, like an inflammatory reaction, which is going to help with healing and, you know, improve blood flow to the area and the pain management. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about that. That'll be a cool like tool to add to your, a big tool. To Absolutely. Add to your tool belt. Yeah. Very cool. What is, besides like walking, I guess we talked about that, what is another favorite form of self-care for you? Hmm. I like reading a lot. So I like to read. Do you physically read the book or do you listen to books? Or... I get too distracted when I do audiobooks because I've really tried to do it, like listen to an audiobook while I'm on a walk or something. Yeah. But I get distracted apparently and I'm like, oh, what just happened? Um, but yeah, no, I like to read a lot um, and then just like spending time with my family and friends What is and your everything. favorite type of book to read? I'm a romance girl. Mm, yep. Love it. Yep. All right, last one. Okay. Maybe the most fun one. If you were a Major League Baseball player, what would your walk-up song be? Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. The pressure. Hmm. Lots of choices. Yeah. Something that gets you amped. When we hear it, we know Sarah's coming out. I really love the song circle. My House by Flo Rida. Yes! Welcome to my <laughs> yes. house. Oh, I and I feel like one. that could be like a good pump-up song. The fans would get into it as well. So. Yeah, and they play your walk-up song at home. Exactly. So, so like mm-hmm. literally, yep. Mm-hmm. I like that one a lot. That is actually, when I was teaching music-based fitness, mm-hmm. that was like the warm-up song yeah. and it had to be a certain bpm so that it was like the perfect yeah. bpm but just like really gets yeah, you going it is yep. a really good really good way to start <laughs> you up sarah thanks so much for having this chat i'm excited for our listeners to learn a little bit more about you and mm. your profession which i know will continue to be of interest so maybe we'll have you back in the future once That'd you're deep awesome. in dry needling and there we go <laughs> learn more about all that you're learning yeah but i'll bring more again. knowledge next time thank thanks you for having for joining me. me and uh we'll see you at a cubs cardinals game soon go cubs <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna leave that in you here, can call me for you <laughs>